0: This episode is powered by Safety FM.
1: The Crucial Talks Podcast with your host, Mike Saddam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Saddam. If you could do me a quick favor, I'd really appreciate it. If you can rate the podcast and subscribe to it, that helps us tremendously. And if any of your friends want to know more about what drives people in their decision making, please send them my way. Also, if you ever have any questions for me, please feel free to reach out to me by visiting www.crucialtalks.com or through LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Now, today's episode is a bit different than some of the ones we've had in the past, and I've been wanting to interview successful business owners, entrepreneurs, and others that are in the trenches doing the work so that we can can gain knowledge from them and learn from them. Now, in past episodes, I've talked about self-transformation and how people can make changes to their behaviors and their lives. And I think today's guest can offer us a lot of great insight regarding self-transformation. In fact, if you look at Todd VandeHei's LinkedIn profile, his cover photo has two very simple words. It says, you optimize. And I think that speaks volumes into what we're trying to do as successful people. Now, Todd is the CEO of Stark, and it's a company focused on helping people reach the best version of themselves. Now, to me, this is really interesting because not only does Todd have to lead his team keep them engaged, run a business, motivate people, be a leader. He has to have them lead clients and keep those clients motivated and help them visualize a better version of themselves. Now, Todd has been very successful doing this. And today we get a gift because we get to pick his brain a little, hear about his experiences and learn some valuable lessons. So without further ado, let's welcome Todd VandeHei to the Crucial Talks podcast. How are you doing today, Todd? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, I think it's awesome that you're on here because people, if they see you on LinkedIn, Facebook, go to your website, they can see that you are not only, not only doing it for other people, but you're living the life. You're a, an example for others to follow. So before we start going down this road of how you can help us or give us some tips, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got to where you are today as a CEO of Stark?
0: Yeah. Uh, let me try to give you the give you these, the, uh, the cliff notes because it's a, it's a very long story, but essentially I was, uh, was running a public manufacturing company, had a conflict with the board of directors, was, was fired, retired, um, was in my mid uh, thirties. And, um, and by the time I was in my early forties lost everything when the uh, real estate bubble burst and was kind of licking my wounds and looking for, um, a new path, a new career path. Um, one that I would, thought I'd never have to step on again. I thought I was done working, frankly. And, um, uh, in the throes of putting my resume together, uh, an ex, um, personal trainer of mine reached out and, and, asked if I would help him turn his business around. I, I, at this, at that particular state or, or time I was, uh, I was in a, um, I, I mean, frankly, I was depressed um, I was struggling emotionally and and i, I really uh, I, I guess I needed to be needed and he needed me and so we were like like opposite ends of a magnet um, uh, and I went met with him and, and it was very small uh, fitness business um, and, and he was uh, like I mentioned a personal trainer and, and was struggling to uh, find his sort of like sea legs and as an entrepreneur um, because he was entirely focused on development as a personal trainer and, and I knew nothing of the, the fitness industry other than I knew it was a good idea to work out. Um, and so I told him that, uh, I jokingly told him I'd clear my schedule and, and met with him the next day and, and, uh, spent about a month, uh, taking a look at the books and clean, cleaning them up, and figuring out how the, how the cash flowed and kind of assessing his financial position, which was really pretty rough, frankly. Um, and, uh, because I, I don't think I was thinking very clearly told him that, Um, I think we should uh, form a partnership and set some some specific goals. And when I attempt, when I, when I reach those goals, uh, I'll earn uh, a chunk of the business. And, and that was pretty much it. Um, So, I mean, in hindsight, there, there, there weren't, there were no operational processes. There was no, um, there was no infrastructure. There, there was a single part-time employee, um, a bunch of um, independent, personal trainers paying rent to kind of help him offset his overhead. There was no, no real brand. There was really nothing. Um, but, uh, you know, a hope and, and that's, that's how Stark started within six months. Um, we both decided that, that we needed to start all over. Um, the business model was a little bit off the location and the lease itself was pretty funky. Um, the equipment was wrong. Uh, the, the, the demographic he was targeting was, was wrong, and a lot of that came from my personal experience um, uh, going through the process that he had set up for uh, young athletes and pro athletes. Um, as a 42-year-old, uh, within six months, I wouldn't say it was a 180-degree change, but it was so drastic that I just couldn't imagine not sharing that kind of value with others. Um, and so we shifted and, and, started focusing on, um, on business owners, on business leaders. And, uh, and, and then we formed Stark, which is German for strong <clears throat> move locations. Um, and, uh, and then we were kind of, kind of off to the races, uh, although the, it wasn't very smooth. The race was, was on a pretty bumpy road, as you can imagine.
1: Well, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. And, And I really enjoyed hearing that story because it's not, you know, when I gave the introduction, I'm basing it on what I see online and in your resume and all that but it doesn't really speak to kind of this hero's journey that you went through that I don't think people that see you online would recognize that there was, you've been there, you had a conflict with it within that manufacturing company, you got fired, you lost everything. It was in the midpoint of your life. You got depressed. You struggled emotionally. I mean, these are things a lot of people deal with. And I think it speaks volumes to what we're talking about today is how you can self-transform and how you can use focus and drive and goals and a little bit of hope. I mean, obviously, in there to have that right mindset. But I think it really is awesome that just that first introduction we get to see that you're not just, you know, you're not just genetically blessed physically. So all this stuff, you actually have to go through and you had to self-transform. And, and I love that the fact that you're admitting openly, you're like, hey, look, it wasn't nice and smooth. It was this bumpy road. So the fact that there, there was this bumpy road, We hear all the time how important vision is and how important, you know, seeing that light at the end of the tunnel or having some kind of an idea um, created in your mind so you know where you're going. Did that kind of stuff help you at all when you were developing the business, when you were actually, you know, in that kind of that six-month period where you're starting to see growth and and where you're trying to get everything kind of set up? Was that important to you? Uh,
0: Vision was secondary to survival. Um, bear in mind, I had, I have a family of five and I had no income. Um, a little bit more of the details. We lost everything, but $60,000 and the company needed 42 of that. I borrowed 35 from another couple of buddies at at roughly 20% interest. And that that's how the company was financed. So it was uh, I, I understood because of my previous business, which was uh, like I mentioned in manufacturing, but we manufactured nichey products that were very, very high end. And, and I recognized the value uh, in uh, actually an old mentor of mine. His name's Al Frank um, uh, used to tell me that uh, uh, over and over again, that riches are, uh, um, riches are in niches. And, and so, that was always kind of in the back of my mind. How can we possibly differentiate ourselves in such a low barriers to entry, highly competitive business, which is what fitness is. Um, and so, but I did not have a vision. It was really shooting from the hip early on until and it was kind of a funny story until I, 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 uh, schedule an appointment to have, um, um, a physical with my uh, GP and and I, was, I think I was maybe 43 at the time, so it was a year after we started Stark. And he was uh, <laughs> unfortunately giving me my first prostate exam. And, and at the same time, he, was, uh, he began reviewing the results of some labs that we'd recently run. And he was giving me a hard time about my cholesterol levels, my total cholesterol levels being uh, a bit over 200. Uh, and I just finished reading a book called the cholesterol myth, which by the way, is a great book to read. uh, if you guys are interested, if your listeners are interested in that sort of thing, um, it was written by a cardiologist and he was effectively debunking, uh, things like using statins to control cholesterol levels, uh, because he doesn't believe cholesterol, total cholesterol should even be considered, um, an indicator for cardiovascular risk. And so, um, in the meantime, my GP is telling me that I'm at risk and he is, um, uh, recommending that I eat fiber one cereal at night by Kellogg's and my nutritionist back at Stark was telling me don't eat gluten. And as a result of not eating gluten, I started losing things like chronic headaches and aches and pains started kind of going away. I was a big fan of it. I felt great. I assumed my physical would go really well and it wasn't. And so I was, I was, Listening to my GP, I'm like, wow. I don't believe really much of your, what you're saying uh, because I, at that point, I was at the beginning stages of actually becoming a pretty educated consumer of, of, uh, of medical services. Um, but at that point, I was also concerned about our, our our students, which is our vernacular for clients. And I was I was thinking to myself, well, what, what if a student comes in and, and sees the same doctor or a different doctor? It's it's the GP, the paternalistic relationship, um, and and they're, they're definitely going to take the advice of the doctor, not the advice of the trainer or the nutritionist that we have at STAR. Um, so the evolution of what we are today or to what we are today is the result of that prostate exam, basically, and recognizing that there will be conflict uh, with the medical community and that we needed to have a little bit more firepower. And, and actually, we needed to have better knowledge and education around medicine because we don't believe that fitness can actually be separated from that. There aren't two parts of your body, the, the medical part and the fitness part. Um, and and so many uh, so many of the issues that people face today, unless you're 25 years old and don't have a family and, and don't run a business and don't have a lot of stress, you're going to be challenged with um, medical issues, for the most part, that of which you're unaware. Um, and and un, uh, uh, unveiling those things is part of the process of that transformation. So knowing that you have let's say, no testosterone left or no estrogen left or your fasted glucose is too high or, you know, whatever your labs show is very helpful um, in achieving a fitness goal and very harmful if you don't know about those things and at the same time you're joining CrossFit or something. So that was the point where it was like, aha, this is this is an opportunity um, because uh, the... The collaboration that, that generally happens in every other business um, between key functions in a business, like marketing, finance, and operations, um, is critical to pushing a particular business forward uh, from a financial um, performance standpoint. In the human body, it's so much more complex than a business. Yet we have we have uh, uh, practitioners, whether it's an MD or an orthopedic surgeon, or a nutritionist, or an acupuncturist, or a chiropractor, and a personal trainer, and they're all, they all believe that they exist to improve the health of their client or patient, but they see the world through completely different lenses, and those lenses aren't necessarily always right or wrong. Um, it's, a, it's gray, but there's so much value in the collaboration that you um, could otherwise happen in an environment where they're, where those different practitioners are forced to work together and kind of debate the issue. Um, but that doesn't happen in, in medicine. It doesn't happen in health and it doesn't happen in fitness. Um, and all of that stuff kind of hit me with, with a blinding flash of the obvious as I was, as, as that guy's finger was up my ass basically. <laughs> so um, that's really where the, where the, the, the vision began. And so it was, it was after we were um, after we were past the survival stage, we were a little bit uh, uh, at least felt secure, um, and we wanted to start um, uh, rolling out a business that basically is the best in class. Um, and so, strategically speaking, we don't put a lot of care into the cost of things. We just want to make sure it's the very best. So we put this this team together, um, and like in previous uh, business experiences that I've had directed them to work together. Um, but the funny thing, funny thing happened is that because of the culture of medicine and fitness and health, uh, the people working in those industries, they're not used to, and I don't think even really like working together. So I was hit with this giant, I wouldn't, I'd call it much bigger than a speed bump. It was, you know, kind of like a foothill, um, in trying to, get the team to collaborate, which I believed would be our special sauce. Um, Then I realized, holy shit, we have to, we have to actually find doctors. We have to find nutritionists. We have to find trainers um, that actually want to work in a team. And, and, and that was like the second level of, of our visionary approach to health, fitness, and medicine to make sure we've got the right people on the bus, which I know is, it sounds kind of cliche and it's something that I've practiced for many, many years, but, but just recognizing that, that how rare it was in our industry um, was, was eye opening and, and allowed for a change in my focus from a recruiting standpoint. And that's really when we started to change drastically.
1: Well, and I, I love that story too because there's so much value in that that I think the listeners to the Crucial Talks podcast kind of get and I wanted to hit on a couple of things because your your approach really meshes with how people are programmed as, as social creatures, as a social species that we label each other, we play roles, we seek identity, we adopt different identities and different roles. And I love the fact that even the business, even Stark itself, refers to their clients as students because you know they're there to learn a better way. I love the fact that you also recognize that collaboration was absolutely critical, that you had to bring in the right people, but that you also recognize that those people each had their own roles they're coming in with. And sometimes those roles didn't include working with anybody outside of their specialties. And I love the fact you're able to, to recognize that. And then you were able to, I assume you were able to because the business is so successful, but you were able to overcome that. So to overcome that kind of specialist, uh, kind of not wanting to work as a team or, or not knowing how to work as a team, used to working by themselves, used to maybe one-on-one, uh, you know, patient-doctor kind of relationship. How did you actually overcome that? Did you overcome it by, by picking people, not only with the specialties, but with a kind of a proclivity to work with others? Or were you able to kind of coach them or help them work with each other? How did that actually, how did that work for you when you were doing it?
0: That's a, that's a really good question. Well, so, uh, and many of your listeners, if they're business owners, uh, or business leaders, they're going to, they're going to recognize, you know, what, what a mission statement is and what a set of core values are and how important culture is. And frankly, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's just generally a bunch of uh, wasted hot air. Um, and I've had them in the past and you kind of, nobody knows what they are. They're they're Maybe they're posted somewhere in a, in a warehouse or a factory or an office, but they're not really used. So w- what I did was establish what our core values were, um, to, to, begin. And then we, I demanded that we actually use them for the purposes of hiring, firing, promoting, um, assessing, um, uh, work and, and work quality performance. Um, they have become such an integral part of what we are um, that it became a very easy to use tool to make sure that we're bringing on the right person at the beginning. And so what that means is that, is that uh, one of our core values is tribe um, and, and that's, that's to um, define how our individuals both between our students and staff uh, and in and among our staff primarily Communicate, and, and in particular, how how they deal with with conflict resolution, and so we identify examples of them already having that particular value in their history in an interview process, and we're pretty successful doing that. So that's 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 the first one. We you know they're already malleable at the beginning, but secondarily, um, we we have sort of like a um, a slay the dragon type of uh, situation in our in our business as it relates to the greater world of medicine and fitness we're a, we're a small niche company that is doing something that we believe <clears throat> is groundbreaking because it's so different from the re- the rest of the industry's approach to delivering health or well let me t- let me take a step back in health and fitness professionals in health and fitness i don't believe deliver health or fitness so so that statement is really important to understand Attracting people that agree with that and are frustrated by that because they happen to be in the business and want to see a change um, is how I get them to uh, be willing to collaborate. Because the collaboration ramps up their professional development. For instance, if you are a let's say you're a chiropractor and um, and you're you never talk to anybody else other than patients and chiropractors, um, you'll never really um, fully understand what it's like to coach someone in going on a, on a low inflammation diet. Um, and, and as a result, that part of your development is, isn't there, but at Stark, you're constantly exposed to different viewpoints and, and people with different backgrounds. And as a result, your, your development as a professional, uh, grows at a much more rapid rate. It's a strategic advantage that we have because we, everybody's forced to share. And so when, when they understand both that, that by working at Stark we, we can actually deliver health and fitness because of all the people that we have involved. And at the same time, you get to, as being part of the team, learn from everybody else. And those two things, when, when, a, when a candidate's eyes kind of light up, we know that they're probably a, a good fit. And we know that they'll likely be open to being led in that direction.
1: Well, and and again, there's so much value in, in the story that you're telling us and the the narrative that we're creating in our own minds because having a core value of tribe. I mean, we hear that a lot, right? There's books written about it. There's yeah, yeah. people use it all the time. But you guys have been able to effectively operationalize it. And what I love about that core value of tribe is the fact that you pinpointed that it's how people on your team communicate how people as part of start communicate and then deal with conflict resolution because so many people are out there talking about all the uh, the ponies and unicorns, right? But mm-hmm. there is, there's people, there's going to be conflict. But when you have a tribe, when you have a shared vision, when you guys share the same, I don't want to say same thought processes, but same value system, conflicts can happen, but they can happen in a positive way because it's like you have a, a higher level of trust. Do you see that level of trust on your team and between people on your team and uh, clients or students that come to Stark?
0: Do I see that them experience that level of trust? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we we reinforce it over and over and over again in how we in how we communicate with one another. Um, and it's it's not it's not an easy thing. But essentially, when I look at Stark, so I, I look at. Um, this is because of all of my years in manufacturing. I look at that, at, Stark, like a manufacturing company. We don't make widgets, though, we, we make leaders. And so, all of our development internally, outside of the actual technical part of what we do, like a nutritionist learning how to write a nutrition plan. Um, a doctor learning how to do IV therapy. Those are, those are the technical aspects of what we do. But the non-technical aspects are all focused on leadership. Basically, I, I, what, I, what I really believe Stark does is we sell leadership. We build leaders and we sell leadership. And what I mean by that is people show up on day one uh, at Stop Prospect, let's say. They come in for a consultation. They are literally standing in front of us saying, I, or sitting in front of us saying, I want to change something in my body and I want you to lead me there. That's pretty much it, right? So in order to become exceptional, um, I actually, I tell our coaches this, which is our vernacular for, for personal trainer, that they are in the business of leading. They need to become exceptional leaders of their students. Um, and when they can become so great at leading students, which for us is challenging because they're, they're the most sophisticated uh, business leaders. They're, they're the most successful people in our particular market. Um, when they can do that, they can very easily lead, lead other employees because it's exactly the same process. So the, the process of, of leading in Stark is exhibiting what we do. In other words, um, uh, if you have a fitness-related goal, let's say you're a basketball player and that's your thing and you, you're a Stark employee and you want to increase your vertical by four inches, you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Going through the process that all of our our paying students go through, but this is for for your own transformation. So, exhibiting what we what we do from a um, a student perspective is is very important to be a leader at Stark. Uh, how you communicate, like I mentioned, the the the, the tribe value, behaving like an owner uh, is is another part of it, um, and and constantly having an area of focus for for personal and professional growth is is another uh, area of our of our uh, professional development. So um, knowing that the individuals in the company uh, uh, deal with conflict in a functional way um, and encouraging them to continue and, and, and uh, teaching the management team to spot good and bad behavior in that regard is really a, a, a huge focus of work uh, inside of our buildings, inside of our locations.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love all of that because your, your coaches are not just there espousing beliefs and giving information and knowledge, but they're actually there as what I call and what I've, what I've talked about is the value of a prototype, right? Something you can look at as a, as a model, either a model of behavior or model of, of actions or whatever. The fact that you recognize that and they, they own that and that they're able to use that in their their leadership skills i think is a huge lesson for everybody cuz i know there are people out there listening that have worked for people that are they're kind of the do as i say not as i do kind of people and that awesome. never works and i love that you're kind of you're you're not only talking it you're walking it that, that is a i think a very valuable lesson for everybody that that really wants to transform the business or transform themselves And another thing you said earlier was the fact that you're a small company that's doing something where the people you bring onto the team believe is groundbreaking, that you're doing something in a really competitive market that is different and that that's something that that groundbreaking part of it is something that I like to kind of just delve into a little bit. How important is that to your business model or to, the people you have on your team, having that, that kind of uh, providing that vision to them that what you're doing is groundbreaking. Is that like a, is that a motivational thing for them? Do you see that? I mean, one, it's valuable to the company, but do you see that as something that, that really um, motivates them to keep moving down this road in the company?
0: Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, I, I don't think I can ever spend enough time teaching our people who we are why we do things and where we fit into the industry. Um, that's just a general, a general statement. The fact that 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 I view us as groundbreaking um, and that we talk about that is is a critical leadership tactic um, that I think is. It. I, I mean, it's it's probably would be valuable to any business, but at Stark, I think it's 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 necessary from a, a survival standpoint because we're so we're such outliers. Um, that it's, uh, and, and it's so comp- complex to deliver what we deliver both operationally uh, and we, basically we, we, we believe health is a skill and that's, that's why we refer to our, our clients as, as students um, to teach someone that's already highly intelligent and sophisticated is, is challenging. The, having the uh, pride And emotion behind believing what you're delivering is in fact groundbreaking and life changing is important because it has an impact on how the receiver receives it. So it's a it's a huge part of uh, of how I approach leadership.
1: Man, this is a this is an awesome episode because everything you're saying fits with what we've always talked about, which is a fact that you just said pride and emotion behind what you're doing. And what we talk about on the podcast is about how people seek social esteem from the groups they belong to and how we how we as human beings make decisions are is actually emotional. So having those things and and constantly finding ways to um, to really talk about that, to get it ingrained in your team, to have them believe it, to see it, to feel it, really drives a lot of the behaviors. I mean that's some valuable stuff that we are talking about right now. And as we kind of go through some of these some of these issues and and how you have developed this this pride and emotion in people, how do you actually do that? I mean, I don't expect like you to tell us everything you do, but but how do you, as a leader of the company, as a CEO, as the, the person that the team looks up to, what are some of those tactics you use to pass that information on effectively to people on your team so it is ingrained, so they do feel that pride and do have that emotion? What are some of the things you do as a leader?
0: Well, I, I, can, I can share with you the, the, the primary one outside of, outside of the fact that, that we have, I mean, our, our it's a, it's a millennial uh, organization and culture, by the way. So just that probably paints a pretty clear picture for most business owners. Some are rolling their eyes right now. um cringing at the thought. Um, but, but essentially I have transformed myself into a millennial in the way I approach business because I believed that I couldn't, um, I couldn't ch- change millennials to be more like generation X it was a lot easier for me to change myself. Um, so I'm sorry. I totally lost my train of thought as I was imagining all my, <laughs> all my buddies uh, uh, hating uh, their millennial employees. When I tell them, you know, when I see them all the time, I kind of brag about how amazing mine are.
1: <laughs> well, so, I always, uh, always tell people, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to label people, um, you can label them, but I always want people to know that the same programming that existed in us when we were uh, protecting each other from saber-toothed tigers is still in all of us today. It doesn't matter if we label them as millennials or Generation X. They're doing the same things. They're just doing it faster with technology. So yeah. you know, what do you use with millennials that you have found effective in, in your communication or how you pass on this, this great information or these feelings and emotions?
0: Well, I think the, uh, the, the the primary tool is, uh, is the story. Um, I tell stories all the time that are accurate and memorable around who we are why and why we do things and where we fit into the industry, um, including uh, historical context. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I conducted one of our staff meetings, and I went all the way back to when I was 19 and talked about my my business experience back then and 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 how it's affected how i see the world today and and shapes our purpose so that that's one th- having having the stories as a vehicle is critical having a good story that that actually matters to the audience is of course also critical so from a millennial's perspective there are lots of stories in the company's history and 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 new stories too like things that happened a month ago and a week ago and 2 months ago that support a very uh, unusually altruistic um, approach to business, which is stark. And that appeals to them because it makes them feel like they're part of something bigger than just themselves. And they are in fact part of something bigger than just themselves. So it's almost like uh, the, the purpose of the business itself is a cause to them. On top of it, what the business does for the community um, makes uh, Stark much more powerful in our community, and there's a lot of pride behind that as well. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, it totally does. I mean, uh, stories and the fact that people are social storytellers is one of the main tenets of this podcast and the things I talk about and what other people have come on here and talk about. And I love the fact that you just brought that up as a as a way that you are being effective as a leader in this company that's full of millennials. And another thing that I, I love what you said is that that sort of thing, the, the fact that you're using these stories, not only stories about the past or your history or how you got to where you are, but about the company itself. I mean, you're using stories that are pretty pretty current. I mean, you even talked about, you know, a story a week old could help. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're using stories and these stories appeal to your team, I think is a pretty valuable topic just because I haven't heard you throughout this entire episode so far say that your team comes to you because they're going to make more money. It doesn't seem like the money is a main driver. They're coming because you're giving them purpose. The business is giving them purpose. Working with the students is giving them purpose. It's more than we had to put food on the table, although that was a driver early on for you. But mm-hmm. now, for them, it seems like the purpose and the esteem and having something to to go after, having something to get up for every day, is really what what is making you successful. Because I haven't I haven't heard any talk about really about money from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, money is um, is important, um, but depending on the the member of the team at Stark, it may be the second or third or fourth important thing on their list of priorities. Um, I think we, I think what you'd find, generally speaking, is the most important priority is the person on the left and the right um, to each of the people at Stark. Uh, so it's that they're dedicated to each other first, then they're dedicated to, to their students. Um, then they love the cause of the business, what we actually provide. Um, and, and then they uh, they love how we do it. Um, and, and then they also need to be able to put food on the table and care for their loved ones and, and stuff like that. Um, so it's not that it's, it's completely missing. It's just, it really is not a primary um, topic. Matter of fact, it's something that I have to bring up on a somewhat regular basis just to spot check people. Like, Hey, how are you doing financially? Uh, are you, are you saving? Are you planning for the future? Are you, do you feel like you're making progress in this part of your life as well? Um, They're, they're important, um, but, but they're not the most important things. No, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different generation.
1: Right. And I really think that's, I think that's a, I mean, it's huge what you just said because you said that, Hey, it's the person on the left or right. That's important. I mean, we see that. We see that in a lot of areas. We see it in the military. We see it in public service. We see it in businesses, that it's the people that are next to you, that when you feel that strong bond, that's what, what really keeps you going and motivates you and really the money and the and and all of that kind of comes it'll come because of all these other great things that motivate people to be successful and to keep to keep going. So Mm -hmm. so far we've talked so much about how you've been able to lead this team and and how the team gels and how they follow purpose and how they're committed to each other, how they're committed to the students, how they're committed to the purpose of the company. But now I know that there's a lot of people listening that are in this kind of student role. So if we can just change the lens a little bit, when you're dealing with students, when the clients come in and they, they need to transform, they want to transform, they're coming to you for help, how do you actually help them go start going down this road? I mean, is it just a matter of telling them this is what they're going to do? Or how do you actually build, build that into them that now they're going to see how they can transform, how they can get better as one of your clients or one of your students?
0: I mentioned that, uh, that what we sell is leadership. And so the same, the same thing that I do for my team, they do for their, their students. So the first thing that has to change is uh, there's a there's a, a, a successful attorney named Bill. Bill shows up on day one, and and Bill is about 75 pounds overweight. Um, and if he was an inch shorter, he'd be square. Um, so he's he's challenged because he's also 55 years old. Um, Bill may or may not be fictitious, by the way. Of course, okay. I'm not going to talk about it specifically. Um, <laughs> so 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 Bill is is struggling because he has looked and felt like this his entire life um, someone somehow in his personal life, maybe a doctor, a friend, uh, a family member told him it doesn't have to be like this. Or sometimes they end up following me or one of the other stark people, uh, uh, on one of the social media platforms. I kind of stick out like a sore thumb because I've got gray hair and a white beard. I mean, there's hardly any, any, any dark in my beard any longer. Unfortunately. Um, I look at young guys who have big, these big, thick, like dark brown beards. And I, when I was their age and I didn't have so much gray, it was totally unacceptable. So I, I'd love to see my face with a dark beard, but that's the thing in the past. <laughs> so, so Bill, um, his story that he tells himself is, I'm an overweight 55-year-old guy and I'll always be like this. So over time, our coach needs to change Bill's story so that he really believes it. And some of, that, uh, some of the help in doing that can be early successes you know, a little bit of, a little bit of weight loss, or maybe he puts a little bit of muscle on or suddenly he realizes his pants are a little bit loose around the waist and maybe a little bit tighter around the glutes. And, and, and he hasn't felt like that forever. Um, And so he starts to believe the story a little bit more. And then we just keep on hitting it home. This is not you, you know, you, you have, when I see Bill in the future, six months down the road, and it looks like you have more teeth in your mouth. And your ears are bigger and your eyes are larger because your cheeks are so much smaller. And I look at you in your, in your existing suits and it looks like you're wearing your dad's suit because they don't fit any longer. You're unfortunately going to put a lot more time and money into shopping because you need more clothes because you look like a fool um, walking around in those baggy, uh, those baggy suits. Um, and so changing Bill's story into, to a point where he starts to believe some of it greases the skids and then hammering it home with results makes it permanent because at that point they look at themselves in the mirror and like, wow, uh, Todd was right. Or Nick, one of our coaches, Nick was right. He, he told me this is how he saw me at the beginning. Now I actually see myself like this and then um, continuing to make improvements on that story so that we get, we get built to where he really wants to be ideally um, is the target. The, um, the how behind that is, is, is uh, our dirty little secret is that we, we, we don't actually deliver um, fitness by just working out and eating less. We, we focus primarily on their health. Um, and we do that by optimizing things that are not optimized. Like, um, for instance, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's sex hormones. Sometimes it's, it's your low back. That's 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 preventing you from ever doing anything um, with, with exercise that's going to help you get anywhere because your low back is your kind of Achilles uh, heel or Achilles tendon. Um, so identifying those issues and 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 tuning them up so that they're not barriers um, is a big part of what we do. Um, it's not why people come to us; they come to us for the result, the downstream result of those of those changes.
1: Well, and it seems like that you understand that whoever comes to you they each have kind of their own story and that you have to make adjustments to that. So the story may have something to do with the hormones, may have something to do with an injury, may have something to do with, you know, lack of flexibility or low back problem or or any of those things so that it's, it's almost like you are, you are creating the next chapter in the story of their life specific to them.
0: Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the famous uh, Henry Ford quote, what, what is it? If you believe you can or you can't, you're right or something like that. Right, right. Like Basically that's, that's all, that's all it is. And, and, and I, I promise you that bill, if he believes he can't, he is right. And he will find ways of sabotaging. I mean, he'll be paying us a couple thousand dollars a month. And at the same time, wasting his money by sabotaging our plan at night by binge eating on Ben and Jerry's chubby hubby, which by the way is my favorite ice cream. <laughs>
1: Well, and I think that that's a perfect place to kind of uh, leave off on this episode. But what I'd, what I'd like you to do is just give us, so you deal with all these clients. If there's somebody listening today that really wants to make a change in their life, what would you advise them to be that first step they take? I mean, they want to make a change, whether it's, it's health or diet or exercise or starting a new business. You've seen so many people come into you and transform it's just a, your place of work is this huge lab of human behavior and human performance. What can you give us that you know one or two things, a couple of key takeaways that people listening now could be like, I could start doing that tomorrow to to change my behavior to t- change something I don't like in my life.
0: Well, I think that the 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 easier answers are are, are is, is the science behind what we do, but but it's also a very personalized road. I think that, the, uh, that what everyone can, can do is, uh, from a psychological standpoint, is define exactly why they want to change a thing, whether it's more energy or a loss of belly fat or whatever it is that they want to accomplish in terms of changing their body. They really need to understand why. And it needs to be so powerful or such a good reason that they won't falter. That's that's probably the uh, the place for, for people to start.
1: I think that's uh, great advice. Now, if they want to go further with that and they want to contact you, they want to uh, go to Stark. They want to get your team to help them out. How do they get a How do they get in touch with you? What kind of services uh, do you guys offer? What's the kind of the best way for them to to build that relationship with you or your team?
0: Uh, the first step is, is to, uh, you can reach out to me on one of the social media platforms. Um, I, I try to respond to all of the messages. Um, and I can, I can also uh, forward you to one of our business development people to, um, to follow up on the details. Um, but, the, but the first step is to go through what we call the ultimate intake, which is a combination of orthopedic assessments, uh, movement um, assessments, and, and, uh, and labs. You have to be here physically for that. We have people that come in all, from all over the country um, and some come internationally just for those tests. Uh, from those test results, we can define what the proper path is for you. Um, but having a good reason to do it at the beginning so that you've got this, the, the right psychology around change is is uh, definitely your, your first step.
1: Well, and for everybody out there listening, they could find out more about Stark by going to www.sarc.com starklife.us. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I'll also put a link to uh, Todd's LinkedIn info and Instagram account so that you guys can look and see what he's actually doing, have ways to contact him. Todd, thanks again for coming on. There was There's so much value in this episode that I think th- that I didn't realize right off the bat we would get into, but that it's super valuable for everybody out there. Not only the health stuff, but just the, the mindset, the teamwork, the leadership, the vision, the storytelling. So much good info in this episode. I really wanted to thank you for, for giving us a, almost an hour of your time to talk to us.
0: My pleasure, Mike.
1: Well, it's awesome. I really enjoyed this episode. So any of you out there that also enjoyed it, if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, give it a good rating. It really helps out. If you need anything from me, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Go to the website at crucialtalks.com. I'm here for you. You can ask any questions you want. I'll respond to you. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Please review, share, and subscribe to the Crucial Talks podcast. Visit crucialtalks.com.